Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast that dissects whole frame Roger Rabbit one minute at a time with special guests Andrew Lindy and Diet Coke. That's right. Here we are with Who Analyzed Roger Rabbits, uh, the podcast that does, in fact, break down the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time. As usual, I am Chris Blair, and also as usual, this is Annie McMullen. Hello, friends. And joining us again, we have got from the Super Mario Brothers Minute podcast, Diet Coke. Hello. And Andrew Lindy. Hello. Hey, great to have you both back here. I'm really excited about the opportunity to bring in my favorite non-Roger Rabbit topic, which is why do we keep casting Chris Pratt? So I just want to understand <laughs> I mean... your thoughts <laughs> on that was... him being cast as Mario. Oh, that was a difficult day for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> we, I remember... the true, yeah, Go the ahead, true, true believers, I think, as we'll call ourselves, were just really <laughs> upset that day. And uh, we, we, we've been having to cope with it ever since. Yeah, I'm I... so sorry. Yeah, it's rough. I remember being like cautious, cautiously optimistic because like I had heard that uh, Miyamoto had exercised a lot of control of the movie and he wanted to make it kind of weird and not a normal illumination movie. And I remember that Nintendo Direct watching live when I, I saw Mario movie news, getting a big smile on my face. And then that smile just freezing in fear <laughs> when they <laughs> when they announced Chris Pratt and realizing... Uh, it was not going to be the, t- the kind of good time I was hoping for. <laughs> See, all sorry. my dashed in one instance. <laughs> well, since Bob Hoskins isn't really an option, who would you love to see play Mario? Andrew, do you want to go first? You know, it's, I mean, since it is a vocal performance, I mean, it doesn't, they don't have to necessarily look like Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... I mean, Charles Martinet has done such a good job for all these years in the games, but you know, I'm I'm assuming they're going to give Mario like a lot of dialogue, <laughs> so that's yeah. not really going to cover it with a, a couple of catchphrases. I'd love to see Charles Martinet try, but it's it's you know, I I think it could be done. Uh, I just think people wouldn't wouldn't be into that. Although I think it's also maybe he just does need to just do catchphrases and and simple short phrases because. That's all that we've had from Mario our whole lives. Like, why do we need more? <laughs> yeah. I mean, aside from Captain Lou Albano's uh, interpretation of Mario. Another yeah. great Mario. Another, another and another great. option that we cannot have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, the Mario curse. Yeah, if you play Mario, you will die of old age eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you, Diet Coke? Who would you who would you want cast? I mean I agree with Andrew. I think I think Charles Martinet would be great. I think it would be great if they went with a more traditional style, style Mario. I also think, I mean, he was had been considered uh, before they got Bob Hoskins. If they do want to go with like, uh, and they, I don't, the, the time has passed for this, but if they did want to go with like a Brooklyn Plumber style approach to the character, get Danny DeVito in there. Get get mm. get the original choice for the '93 movie. See what he would do with it. After all, uh, I think that'd be great. That would be great. 
Now I just need to find somebody who does a Garfield podcast so I can bring this up again. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Why is he also Garfield? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we live in the worst timeline. That's why. Oh, no. <laughs> Garfield does make a lot more sense to me than Mario for him. Like he has kind of, you know, he always plays himself. It's not like he has like a great range. Yeah, but. but- but at least on Parks and Rec, like that character is kind of kind of Garfieldy. He doesn't have the ironic detachment that you need, I, I think, to be Garfield. But I at think, least he's like slovenly. Yeah, I guess. I guess no one to me radiates enjoys Monday's energy more than Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met someone who I felt more confident loves coming to work on Monday than Chris Pratt. And that, that's, I mean, you know, I don't know how that's going to work out for Garfield. Mm-hmm. I wish them luck, I guess. <laughs> At least I'm making the assumption that both characters love lasagna, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not not, not post-Guardians uh, of the Galaxy Pratt. <laughs> it's such a great argument for dad bods. Truly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't work out. You'll become less likable. Is, is the moral of the story of Chris Pratt. And, you know, we are assuming Chris Pratt is listening to this podcast. And once again, Chris, sorry. Oh, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> the host can say that, but you you stay the hell away from my podcast, Chris. <laughs> I, try, I try to take a dig at him every, every week. <laughs> so we are here with Minute 26. Minute 26 begins with uh, Roger jumping through the window and it ends with Eddie throwing his keys vaguely near a bowl. I, I love this this Roger going through the uh, through the window. It's, it's always a classic when a, a cartoon character makes the shape that they are <laughs> as they go through something. It's it's just it's one of those things that's just always funny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a really iconic shot of the movie too it's mm-hmm. just that in the background you also have the acme warehouse light so it's kind mm-hmm. of like uh uh it all comes together in that that kind of wonderful you know way that a shot can tell a little bit of information yeah yeah especially since at this point we might suspect that he's on his way to to acme um so it's great having that outline over that uh framing the the acme thing one might say <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then that, that touch too of pulling the blinds off and uh seeing the window window beneath is also really cool good way to end in that scene it's a great little heightening of the joke because it's undeniably just the same joke twice when you pull the blinds and see the same thing on the glass <laughs> but it's funny both times <laughs> <laughs> yeah if only there was that third thing where they can open the window and the screen behind it too also has that outline <laughs> <laughs> this next part is just really a sad moment of roger crying by himself in the in the alley yeah I love this part it it's so film noir like it's and it's just so stereotypically film noir and i think we have seen thus far so many examples of the humans having kind of um toony characteristics or toony experiences um and this is one where we've just put roger into what would normally be like a very human traditional film noir movie scene you know, sitting in a dark alley with a red neon light 
yeah. crying yeah. over some black and white romantic pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he he does he is over by the Acme warehouse, and I was kind of I I think I'd always thought about this. <laughs> Those crates are just like unsupervised outside of the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> And like you see, he sits on one of them and uh, some of them say like bear claws or bear traps and some of them say marbles assorted. So it's just like they've got their um, their like tune, you know, props are just lying everywhere. It just yeah. looks- Well, is it on the studio lot? Because if it's on the lot, then it would I mean, it would be behind like a locked gate, presumably. Mm-hmm. But it's it's weird that the. That like the branded Acme warehouse would be on the studio lot. It's it's kind of hard to tell the layout here. I think it's on the lot because we when at the beginning when Eddie goes in and out of RK Maroon's office, he he walks out the stairs and um you you see sort of the layout of of things. True. Uh, yeah. And there's the he he walks in from the lot. I think Dumbo flies up from, from yeah. the ground of the window there too. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea that there's marbles and bear traps. Like it's such it's so perfect, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's just, I, you see a situation where one more thing happens and Roger is rolling around on marbles and getting his hands stuck in bear traps. <laughs> yeah. Those are the props you're gonna need if you're making a cartoon movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if those those uh bear traps are animated ones or if they're like real legit bear traps that that is interesting pulling from what i remember when they they play around with the other props wasn't the the hammer might have been a real prop the hammer but then the the hole and the singing sword were cartoon the hammer was definitely a cartoon i'll I'll, I'll say that the the hammer was definitely animated the glue is real, though. Yeah. But so then we'll, you'll have to pay attention. Is is it Acme glue or is it some other brand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does Acme only make tune products? Well, the disappearing ink is an Acme product, and that's not animated. And the hand buzzer. Yeah. And the hand buzzer. They're never well, are still. What is ink if not animated? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> okay, but the pen's not animated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What ink? What? The conclusion we've come to is that uh, there is no distinction between tunes and, and real life. They're, the line is blurry. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I wonder where tunes come from in this universe. You know what I mean? Are they born? They don't die. They don't age. We know that from Betty Boop. This is the eternal question. We ask this yeah. question regularly. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> this comes up a lot. The close, the, the thing we've theorized is that the tune's parents are the animator and the voice uh, actor, and, okay, and that's like how that. a tune is born. Uh, we we have had uh, Gary K. Wolf, who wrote the book uh, that this was based upon, on the show before. But um, next time we we get the chance to talk to him, we definitely want to ask this. Yeah, I, I was going to say the the book I think would have a very different idea than this <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, the book is like way darker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so much darker, and um, you know, different kind of tunes too. So mm-hmm. yeah, we we then get to see these pictures of of Roger and Jessica together. Uh, these pictures are are great. First one, Roger in a very dapper outfit at some sort of, uh, I don't know what kind of event they're at, maybe the award ceremony. It looks to me like they're performing. Um, I actually think it's their wedding. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, because she is wearing a veil. Oh, yeah. You can't see it over her giant boobs, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of see it. Like, if you look, like, right behind the small of her back, you can see the back end of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is a veil. Yeah. And he's wearing a tux. It mm-hmm. is bonkers cartoon tux, but a, yeah. a top hat and tails. Mm. That's a that's a good theory. I think I think I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I love that her wedding dress it just appears to be a non-sparkly version. It doesn't look like it's red from the picture because red in black and white photos it usually looks black, and this looks white. So I I think it's just a pale colored version of the red sparkly dress that she wears normally. No ba- backless, uh, you know, unable to wear underwear with <laughs> of any kind. <laughs> Um, you go, Jessica. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, she can't that. wear any clothes that are off model. That's the limitations of it too. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it can just be recolored. Yeah. We see the next picture, which is uh, them on the beach together. Roger in his old-fashioned men's bathing suit. Classic he has such look. a cute expression on his face too. Here, like. Like he's really trying hard to smile. He's got a goofy little <laughs> smile. I also like that the, somehow this beach picture acts as like a little prelude to the another beach picture we're about to see. Like it's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a mirroring or something. It's 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 I I like it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Both of them uh, looking at sad pictures of people that they may have lost on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the third picture is of them in a cafe. And I had no idea this was here until this watch, but we get to see uh, Bugs and Mickey in the background. They're in the pictures behind them in the cafe. Yeah, there's like autographed caricatures, like LA cafes will often have. Yeah, and it's, a, it's there's like a hat, like it's supposed to be like, what is that called? The Brown Derby? But I thought that was what they're kind of trying to reference. It was a famous, right? It was like a famous LA restaurant where famous people ate at. I could, I, I'm not entirely sure. But my, it, my memory is about as strong as yours there, but that sounds right <laughs> to me. <laughs> and because they've got the, the characters on the wall, that was kind of a, a, there was a, I think that was the LA restaurant that had that. So it was okay. they're playing off of that idea, I think. Um, I, I have, sorry for Googling everybody. I'm, it's bad podcast advocate, but the Brown Derby looks like was it's it was where Walt Disney uh, drank, it seems mm. like. Mm. And I'm looking at, there's like a, a recreation of it and it's like, yeah, it looks like a very similar hat. So definitely seems to be a reference to that specifically. The, um, and then in this photo, uh, they're they're very uh, close. They're playing footsie. The Rogers' ears are on Jessica. Like this is supposed to be like the much happier times. Yeah, it's a cute pic. Yeah, I think it really you, is. you really do get a sense in these photos because you know we haven't seen Roger and Jessica together, and we know that mm-hmm. like. Roger has a is a catch, according to other tunes, according to Betty. Um, but I still think the audience is like, that's Roger's wife, you know? Um, yeah. And this is the first time you get a sense that, like, Jessica really loves Roger, too. It's not, you know, she's in that last picture, especially. She's, you know, she's got goo-goo eyes for him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, especially because in the book, she does not like Roger very much. So this is a major change from that, that she, at least at least judging from these pictures, seems to be really into him. 
It's interesting too, we do not actually see them together until the very end of the movie. It seems he's very brokenhearted, not mad at Jessica at all. No, he still doesn't believe it. He's still like, say it isn't so. Like there's no, he doesn't, he doesn't want to believe it. How, mm-hmm. Did you, have you covered it? In, how does, is patty cake uh, something else for tunes or? Oh, we, we've talked about it. We're <laughs> unclear. Lots of, uh, lots of different theories, but we, we came down to that. It is definitely an intimate act. Yeah, maybe it's not necessarily anal- analogous to a, a human experience, but it, but it is just an intimate act in itself for tunes. Yeah, we couldn't figure out what it does for Marvin Acme. <laughs> <laughs> it makes him laugh. He loves to laugh. Yeah, he loves to laugh. <laughs> We're all getting much creepier vibes than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his first wife was a tune and, and he lost her. So now it's every tune <laughs> is his first wife now. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's the kind. If you, when you say creepy Wait, vibes. No, Andrew, Acme, because tunes couldn't die until Judge Doom invented the dip. And so, unless his first wife died very recently, I don't think that's plausible. I think I think she I think she left him. That's what I think. Oh, I oh. yeah, <laughs> that feels right. Well, she could have also laughed herself to death. That's true. It's unclear what death means in that sense, though, because do the little go? I mean, uh, you. I guess y'all will get into this eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but what what constitutes death when you're still a little cartoon ghost floating around? Is it just another? form of cartoon life who can say well and then there's the there's the casper conundrum so well sure (laughs) (laughs) right kind of kind of forever dead can casper be killed you know (laughs) he can be alive and he can be i think he can be busted but i don't know definitely be busted yeah Yeah. Um, that movie can't be busted because in the Casper movie they do call Dan Aykroyd in character as uh, Ray Stans, and he he wipes his hand and says he can't do anything there. So who knows? Well, that was that was the uncles, not not That's Casper. True. Yeah, the uncles are more powerful <laughs> than a single Ghostbuster. All right, what are we doing? The Casper minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Casper, the movie starring Chris Pratt. Oh no. oh no! They'll do it. They'll do it. Don't speak <laughs> that into Don't existence. Don't give him any ideas, man. <laughs> this this moment where where Roger is crying, but he still can't help but do the the pa 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 please is yeah. I don't know. They're just so things so sad about that. <laughs> it's to watch someone do a bit sadly is can, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been there in improv shows before. Where uh... <laughs> improv, I've just been there in my real life. That's just a stupid <laughs> coping mechanism of mine. <laughs> we then uh, go over to the Valiant and Valiant office. Heartbreak um, doesn't stop there. Seeing that Valiant and Valiant on the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, she- I, I like the little. Um, there's like a logo on the door as well, and it says like Veritas, which is like uh what truth in latin yeah i think so yeah and it has a little a knight mm-hmm. yeah on horseback with a because the thing called <laughs> a uh joust joust the stick you run with and hit somebody off their horse joust lance jo- lance lance yeah lance <laughs> thank you jackass which i've watched a lot of recently <laughs> which uh, has frequent jousting sketches <laughs> 
that's such a a noir shot of Eddie coming through that door to like a shadow coming to it. Um, oh yeah, old, old noir movies love to show a shadow through a private detective's door. <laughs> <laughs> we get the beginnings of this song done by uh, the same composer from Super Mario Brothers. Another connection there. The Alan Silvestri, um, very sad song coming in. Yeah. Two great scores, this movie and Super Mario Brothers. And no one is around to, to, to fight me on that. Unless well, there's only one to agree. I agree. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Silvestri doesn't miss. I don't know about that. <laughs> but he, but he but didn't, didn't, he, he didn't Avengers, right? That, maybe that was the one. <laughs> I mean... Sure. I, I <laughs> this is not this is not the time or place for me to get into my Forrest Gump is a bad movie all the way down uh, <laughs> uh, beliefs, but uh, I, yeah. I think this has already been brought up on the podcast. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got. I mean, at least it's relevant with Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good movie, and I don't think the score is. <laughs> I think specifically the score is also bad in that movie. Hmm. Um, but he's uh, done a bunch of. Marvel, yeah, he did. I know that like he did the first Captain America and was just kind of like in in with the MCU since then. It seems like yeah, I actually really like you know I'm not a huge MCU fan these days, but I I really like that first Captain America score. Actually, I think mm-hmm. it's really good. Are there any? Hey, yeah, you can't knock anyone for getting the MCU money. No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> one thing we we also noticed watching this one minute at a time is there are a lot of birds in this yeah. movie so many birds and again uh with the birds he has a bird hat rack in his place i i took that to be a maltese falcon reference mm. Mm. okay that that makes that. sense yeah, oh, I real, bird hat rack. yeah it's cool i took it as it's a statue that because he is living in his office and it's just kind of a mess that he just happened to put his hat on because there's also a pair of suspenders on it it doesn't really look like a hat rack to me but that's just me just looks like a cool eagle statue it's the stuff that dreams are made of (laughs) (laughs) do you think maybe this is from a case that eddie saw before and he just was like well i got this i got this bird now i'm going to use it as a hat rack yeah, it's like legally they can't say that uh, it's the same character <laughs> from from those detective novels. But, uh, you know, it's like Sean Connery basically being old uh, James Bond in The Rock. It's like, yeah, he, he solved the Maltese Falcon case before this. <laughs> I like to think maybe that there was a tune version of the Maltese Falcon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see, I would love to see uh, Humphrey Bogart interacting with tunes. I think that would be great. That that did that never happen? <laughs> I, I wonder if you're you're thinking of the I believe Humphrey Bogart was tunified in a in a couple of cartoons from you know his time. That's definitely true. And also like he worked with Peter Lorre a lot and that's one of the most heavily cartoonified people. Yeah. Yeah. Arguably Ren from Ren and Stippy. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything else for this particular minute? Well, I, um, this is, I don't know how, um, you know, uh, th- I don't think it's that off topic, but I, I kind of wonder if weirdly I, in my memory, before they started renovating um, Toontown in Disneyland, the real life Toontown, 
this kind of that weird box alleyway that Roger is in, it felt like it inspired a certain section of Toontown that I remember as a child where you, you could play on boxes and there was like a, mm. a cutout of a, like a, a dumbbell went through a window and it's in that same style as the Roger cut out in the window. And it was such a weird little area of Toontown. It was like right by the exit of the Roger rabbit ride. And I'm like, what a weird place to draw inspiration from where Roger cried. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to bum you out after you get off this ride. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, they go back to that location a couple of times too. Is that, is that the, I, the layout of things is, is always a little confusing to this movie because it seems like they, it seems like sometimes they're on the lot when they shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't have an answer. I'm sorry. I wondered aloud, knowing that it would lead no- nowhere. Uh, I, re- I retract my statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the geography is a little challenging. Like where Maroon Studios is to the Acme Factory to the Ink and Paint Club to Toontown. It's a uh, li- little unclear. When when they where are they playing patty cake? Because they, they, it seems like they go straight from the club, but it also seems like it's his office kind of. Yeah, it's her dressing room, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's her dressing room. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'm just a fool. Sorry, everybody. But, but it, there's alleys everywhere, which I think confuses yeah. things, right? Because most alleys look roughly the same. Uh, and there's there's so many alleys that I don't see in LA frequently when I'm there. Well, I mean, this movie is kind of very much about the 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 death of the old LA really before Very in, true. you know in real life when when Judge Doom succeeded and did put in that freeway and ruined everything <laughs> for all of us yeah and made cartoons not real anymore yeah well I mean it's probably too dark to get into on this podcast the <laughs> real life equivalent of of what happened there um where he just they kind of bulldozed poor uh, black neighborhoods to do it yeah well, we do we do get a glimpse of Eddie's office, and we see that he's like it's pretty it's a mess. You can see that like right off the bat, and he has a Murphy bed, so he's been sleeping there, and it's all disheveled, and he doesn't make his bed, which yeah. is always the mark of someone in dire straits in a film. <laughs> it's funny you you got me thinking about this earlier when you mentioned that this minute ended with him uh, throwing his keys vaguely near the bowl. <laughs> Because it reminded me of, of another time in my life before I was living with a romantic partner when I was living in a garage in a house in Long Beach that had been like converted into a room. And uh, I'm realizing that like Eddie Valiant's low, like <laughs> is like his place is much cleaner than my place was. And I would just throw my <laughs> keys wherever when I walked through the door. It made me realize like it, this is a this is a movie low, <laughs> not so much a real person's low. <laughs> this place looks down. I mean, there's like this place looks down. There's like space to walk around, <laughs> you know, it's not like clean compared to to some of the places I've lived. Well, I think it's because he only has the one outfit. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, what's what would be on the floor? That is a real space saver. <laughs> yeah. And this is also his work office, too. Like, presumably people come in here for cases to give to him. Yeah, but I don't know how much that's happening because he went out to RK Maroon. It doesn't seem like he's entertaining clients a lot these days. <laughs> okay, I'm just noticing something here, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a red light coming in from the background and it's 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 behind what looks like a hung sheet mm-hmm. and uh, you know i 
I didn't notice it because there's red lights randomly everywhere in film noir movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that that's a dark room. Um, and so I'm pretty sure he probably had his own camera at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I it, think he definitely did. I think I think he must have pawned it for booze money. Yeah. Because right detectives take pictures all the time, even if they're not just doing patty cake stings. That's true. You got to take pictures of, uh, you know, Goofy not being a spy. Spoilers. It is now time for everybody's favorite segment of the show, Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join it on the fun. Hypothetical Thursday is when I pose a hypothetical question and listeners, you can go onto our Facebook page and give your answer. Our Facebook group is Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit Listeners. Last week I asked the question, what base is patty cake and what might one of the other bases be? Sean said, patty cake has to be second base. First base is hopscotch. Darren said, at least third. The lyrics come close to put a baby in me. Uh, Very true. This hypothetical Thursday actually comes with a little bit of a pitch at the beginning. So uh, Disney Plus executives, the pitch is a prequel show where Eddie and his brother are solving all these cartoon crimes. And my question this week is, what cartoon crime or what cartoon mystery i should say it could be anything it doesn't have to be a crime would you want valiant and valiant to solve i would like to see him have to travel into the world of uh the super mario brothers cartoon (laughs) (laughs) both because it's on brand for me as as the host of the super mario brothers minute but also because i think I think he would have a real miserable time there in a way that would be enjoyable to watch. Because if you are, I mean, I guess if this is a prequel and his brother's still alive, he didn't hate tunes. But I feel like having to having to deal with that shoddy animation quality as as a real life thing that exists would just really make a person miserable. And I think he's funny to watch when he's miserable. <laughs> you know, he walks yeah. into a room, he sees a guy with no face because the animators for just forgot to put that layer on the finished product, which is a real thing that happened. <laughs> that was really cartoon. And that character was like a, an Indiana Jones type, right? Yeah, who just inexplicably <laughs> didn't have a face the whole episode. And we looked into it, and it was because the animators literally just left a layer off the animation. <laughs> um, I think I think that would be like that. Also provides like uh, you know those could be good Mr. X for him when he's trying to solve the crime is like he thinks something is significant but actually it's just a weird club of the animation <laughs> where he's like wait a minute I saw Luigi at that club the other day and it's like no they just accidentally drew Luigi instead of Mario <laughs> I think that frequently happened on that show <laughs> I'm I'm thinking uh, if I can uh, update the pitch a little maybe uh, Valiant and Valiant are detectives perhaps in the 80s not the 40s Mm. Uh, and then we could have them do the uh, the classic crossover with Scooby Doo when uh, Scooby Doo was doing all of those crossovers with things that were popular through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Oh, that's great! <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like I it. I love that. I think linear time does not apply here. I yeah, I, I also like the idea. Apply Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I like the idea of Eddie Valiant pulling off the mask of the monster. That just yeah. really <laughs> pleases me. <laughs> he must have done that at some point in his career. <laughs> he, he, he could have done it at the end of this movie, but he chose I mean, not to. Really, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of him just coping with Shaggy. <laughs> I, would they get along as like you know uh you know the Hanna Barbera couldn't say this but as a stoner and an alcoholic do you think they would uh, find common ground there <laughs> yeah I think the two would get cross-faded together I think that would happen I think so I mean we know Bob Hoskins loves uh weed from uh stories of the Super Mario Brothers set <laughs> I think I'll go with because we talked about this earlier in the podcast. I'm gonna. I, I want to find out how Casper died. So I want Eddie to solve this mystery. <laughs> well, you know the, the the what is it? Isn't it just like weird theories that people have that Casper is Richie Rich? Oh <laughs> yeah, another, yeah. Another Alan Silvestri scored movie that came out soon after this. <laughs> was that him too? It was. <laughs> he has his fingers in everything. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is a hard one. I feel like I am not well versed in tune mysteries. I think I I think I have to go with uh like you know those really low quality uh weird cartoons that are on YouTube nowadays where it's like uh you know mommy finger mommy finger daddy finger daddy finger yeah. <laughs> you see these the children like the ones guys, where, it's, where yeah. elsa's in it inexplicably it's like <laughs> elsa and spider-man and they get married and they kill the joker <laughs> like a ri- yeah there's just all kinds of like weird stuff like yeah. I-, I think i i want i want them to do like uh like an investigative report Porter documentaries type situation on where the hell these are coming from why why they're happening how they get made we've never seen tunes like this before (laughs) (laughs) it's like there's some weirdo who's like cloning tunes and that's why these ones like don't move or talk (laughs) well that's like the um god what was that was the uh it was the bugs bunny cartoon the invasion of the carrot snatchers or something oh yeah 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 (laughs) where it was uh it was all the all of Bugs Bunny and, and his friends were being replaced, like like the invasion of the body snatchers, but they had weird animation. Yeah, they yeah. did it where like they took a cutout of the characters, but then like superimposed a real human mouth on them when they were, were talking. <laughs> kind of like Conan would do, um, but way more horrifying. Wow. <laughs> is, terrifying. is this like an official Looney Tunes thing? Oh, or is yes. This... Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 really good. <laughs> I recommend it. This I need to watch. We'd all love to hear yours, listeners. So uh, go to our Facebook page and let us know what crime or mystery you want to see Valiant and Valiant solve. And that has been Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. Annie, who's your MVP for this minute? My MVP for this minute are it's the photographs in Roger's wallet because they're doing uh, they're doing all the work mm. in this in this particular minute this minute's very much about setting a mood you know and um that that to me is the only thing that really like has like a big impact on the plot not that that's my criteria normally but (laughs) (laughs) that's the one i'm choosing for this minute i think the lighting i mean the 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 way that the lighting looks on roger is just so cool and such a the way they integrate the, the, the light hitting the real objects with Roger is just, I'm constantly in awe watching this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's uh for me it would be the um the Roger cutout in the window. That's mm-hmm. the MVP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really great uh shadow that I noticed in the last minute. Um when Roger does the tea kettle thing and he gets blown up towards the ceiling. So he's you know, there's multiple light sources in the room and so there's multiple shadows on the ceiling. It's just so the all of the lighting in this is crazy. It's so good. Dyke, Coke, and Andrew, you think you could come back one more time? Oh, yeah, totally. squeeze it in. All right, all right, great. So uh, this has been Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. We are a dueling genre podcast. You can check out so many more of the podcasts, including many more Movie by Minutes podcasts, on duelinggenre.com, and click on the support link to go to the Patreon. We will see you Friday for Minute 27 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. <laughs>